I had the opportunity to talk to Ella and Iliam and they were so excited about today that their family is moving away uh, to another state because of dad's job. And they said, but we want to get baptized at Calvary before we leave. And so we'll be praying for them in the days ahead. We're, we're so excited with them. Well, we've been uh, in a series called Ignite where we've been sharing with you about the new Calvary that we're launching, the strategy of gather, grow, and go. And Pastor Chad wrapped up the series last Sunday uh, with the go part, and he did such a wonderful job of that. But one of the things I'm excited to share with you today is, is in, in our guide piece of our strategy, we have a new ministry leader. And I'm gonna ask Kira Corona to come here and join me here at the front. Uh, Kira is one of our own. Uh, she, she came through our student ministry here at Calvary, young adult ministry, uh, and then she got married. Now uh, Jay and Kira have three wonderful children. And as we've been praying for who will lead our women's ministry at Calvary, God uh, repeatedly uh, indicated to us that Kira was that person and she said yes and so she will be our new women's ministry coordinator. We're not calling it WIT anymore. It's, it's even a new name. There's already great things happening in this ministry and I know that, that Kira has great ideas and, and I'm so thankful for you Kira for you saying yes and for your leadership. You want to say a word? Sure. Good morning Calvary family. <laughs> Yeah, as Pastor Julio said, um, the new name for this ministry is just simply going to be called Calvary Women, and I'm so honored and excited to answer the, the calling that God has given me to help lead in this area. Um, there's a lot of exciting things that are going to be happening, but there's just two things um, this semester that um, I just want to let our women know. One, next week on Wednesday, we are going to be starting Women's Church. If you've been to Man's Church, it's the girl version of that. <laughs> and, um, and there we're going to be diving deep in the word, um, fellowshipping with one another, and that'll be for a whole month. And uh, the second thing is we're going to be having something on the first Thursday of every month starting in November 4. It's going to be called Creative Women's Fellowship. It's going to be a time for women of all ages that are um, available from that time from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Um, to do arts and crafts. We'll get in with devotion and, um, and fellowship, fellowshipping with one another. So I'm so excited for the things that we have in store for our women um, in the hopefully years to come. And so hope to see you there soon. Thanks. Amen. Thank you, Kira, so much for answering the call. And yes, you're right, it's a 10-year contract. <laughs> well, I grew up in church, and one of the things that, that I liked growing up was the fact that often in church we share meals and, and we sit around the table, and, uh, and, and maybe it's a church-wide fellowship, maybe it's a banquet or a picnic um, or a Sunday school class fellowship, and, and I, I always have enjoyed, since I was a kid, being a part of that, being around the table, uh, eating food, laughing, sharing. I think the Bible calls it breaking bread together. It's even a biblical concept and, and I've enjoyed it. But it wasn't until I moved to Texas, my family moved to Texas, that I discovered the churches have something called potluck. 
dinners. And when I was first the youth pastor at Carolina Baptist Church, it was my first job in the ministry in Corpus Christi. And, and uh, the pastor told me, uh, we're going to have a potluck dinner. And I, and I thought, are we going to play the lottery or what are we going to do? And then I discovered the potlucks uh, were this thing where everyone gets to bring like the dish that they really like to make, that they're really proud of. And they put it at a common table. And then uh, when, when people come through the line, everybody gets to serve whatever they want to serve themselves. And the plates uh, are, are full and people sit down and they enjoy a taste of the best cooking from the church people. And, and then some of us go back for seconds. And, uh, and then we eat and we laugh and we enjoy. And here's the thing that I really think is super cool is that after everybody eats their fill, there are always leftovers. People are always trying to figure out what to do with the casseroles uh, th that were left. In fact, I learned something in Filipino fellowships. It's a new word. It's called baon. Baon is what you get to take home. In fact, some, some people are so full of faith when they come to Filipino fellowship, they bring empty Tupperware. Because they know, I'm not kidding, ask anybody. They bring empty Tupperware because they know there's going to be leftovers. And I think that, you know, you know I, I grew up in Baptist church and, and, you know, we don't make a big deal of miracles. But to me, potlucks are one of the most charismatic experiences I've ever had. Because people bring a little, they put it together, everybody has enough, and then there are leftovers. I mean, that's pretty miraculous, you know. Jesus had the fish and loaves, we have potluck, you know. Uh, and I think about the fact that that is God's design. God's design for the church is so that all of us bring something. We bring our gifting, we bring our time, we bring our service, we bring our finances, we put it together and something really supernatural happens. God multiplies it, there's enough, and then often there are 12 baskets left over. And so today, as, as we look at uh, the ministry of Jesus, we see that that was so in his ministry. When, when he went about preaching the gospel, we asked, well, who supported the ministry of Jesus? He had uh, at least 12 guys, really had a lot more people following him. They didn't have steady jobs. They went from town to town. How did they eat? Who, who provided the food for, for them? And so we go today to get a little glimpse of the financial support for Jesus' ministry, as Luke tells us in Luke chapter 8 of one of the incidents in his ministry, beginning with verse 1, that I'd like to share with you. Luke chapter 8, verse 1, and it reads like this. <clears throat> After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So here, Luke tells us that Jesus and his disciples are going about from town to town, from village to village, preaching the gospel, announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. And then he says that some women joined them. Some women traveled with them, which is remarkable because in the first century, rabbis did not have women disciples. They didn't think they were smart enough. They didn't think they were worthy of, of following a rabbi and learning about the, the Torah. 
And, 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 and so for Jesus to accept women as disciples and to allow them to travel with him, it's remarkable. It breaks with religious and cultural norms. But what is even more remarkable is that these women, Luke tells us, were the ones who were supporting the ministry financially. They were giving out of their own means so that the disciples would have the food and whatever they needed as they traveled from village to village. Which is really interesting because God, uh, Jesus as a son of God, could have chosen a lot of ways to do his ministry. A lot of ways to support his ministry. It's interesting to me that when Jesus is about to begin his ministry, the first temptation that Satan offers him is turn the stones into bread. Jesus had the power to do that. Jesus had the power to turn stones into bread. Jesus could have gone every day telling stones to turn into a great sandwich. But, but he told Satan no. Because he refused to use his power for selfish purposes. He refused to take shortcuts. Every temptation of Jesus, every temptation that Satan offered Jesus was a shortcut, an easy way out. But Jesus refused every single one of them because he was not the God of shortcuts. He was not the Messiah of get rich quick schemes. He, he was not the Messiah of easy fixes. He was the one who trusted in the Father for the provision. And so he allows his followers, women, simple folk, to be the ones that support his ministry. And that's God's design. The gospel movement that Jesus started about 2,000 years ago is to be supported by the recipients of the gospel itself. That's the way it was in the ministry of Jesus. That's the way it was with the ministry of the apostles in the book of Acts. That's the way it was with the ministry of Paul. And that's the way it ought to be even today here at Calvary. Those who have experienced God's grace give out of that grace so that others would know the grace of God. We can look at a passage from uh, Paul's letters where, where he writes about those that support his ministry in Philippians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. And the Bible reads like this as Paul writes them because they have uh, given him financial support. And he says this, not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul has received the financial gift of the Philippians and he tells them that he's receiving it on behalf of God. Some may have accused Paul of being selfish, of being greedy. He wanted the money from the Philippians. But Paul says, it's not that I wanted your money. What I wanted is your spiritual account to be credited with your act of giving. I wanted you to do what God expects you to do in the support of the ministry. What a privilege it is that God invites us to participate in his work in his ministry. We've talked about five G's here at Calvary. We talk about 
based on the great commandment and the great commission. We have a gospel that is transforming. We guide people to become disciples and disciple makers. And then as a church, we gather like we're doing right here. We grow in small groups and then we go and we share the gospel. Those are the five G's of our strategy. But today I'm gonna offer you a six G. It's sort of, it's sort of a, in the background and it's to give. The ministry of Calvary needs us to give financially. And as we look at these passages from Jesus's ministry and, and from Paul's ministry, we see the genius of God's design. This is the way God designed the financial support of his ministry. The first thing that we see is that God advances the gospel. I was in a flight earlier this week and uh, I, I had forgotten yet to wear a mask in flight in the airport. And so the first mask that I grabbed, really the only one I had with me was one that says Texas Baptist on it. And so I said, well, I'm going to put that one on. Let's see what weird looks I get because people have different ideas of what Texas Baptist might be. And so I put it on and, and I was just kind of a little self-conscious to see if people would look at me a weird way. And, and we made the trip back home and we landed and I said, I'm pretty safe. Nobody looked at me. Nobody said anything ugly to me. And so then as I stood up in the aisle waiting to deboard, a, a lady a few seats down says, sir. And I said, yes, ma'am. She says, I noticed your mask says Texas Baptist. Like everybody could hear it. And I go, oh boy, here we go. And she said, I know about the Texas Baptist men's disaster relief. And I said, whew, that's the good testimony. That, those are the guys that make us look good. Uh, and I like when local TV stations talk about the kind of work that uh, they do in disaster relief during hurricanes. For example, here's a clip from a Dallas TV station recently in disaster relief. Well, many areas are bracing for impact. They, they're reeling, as David was mentioning a moment ago, from Hurricane Laura. It was just six weeks ago. And Nicole is live at the headquarters of Texas Baptist Men in Dallas, where a group of volunteers, they were just there in southwest Louisiana, and now they're preparing to load up and help out again. Nicole. It, it never stops, it seems, Karen. But for residents who live along the Gulf Coast, many of them are still recovering from Hurricane Harvey a few years ago, not to mention what you just said, Hurricane Laura, about six weeks ago. But for Texas Baptist men, when they get the call for help, they answer it as if it is their duty. Still rebuilding and still dealing with it. It's months, it's years to go through all this. So when you see other people and news crews and things leaving, you're like, oh, there goes my hope. There goes my help. But then we're still here. And that will likely be the case over the next couple of days when volunteers leave for Orange, Texas. They will hunker down there until the storm passes and then wait for further instructions as to where their help is most needed. They are prepared to provide food and other necessities to those in storm-ravaged areas. Their mobile kitchen can dish out 35,000 meals a day. Volunteers have traveled up and down various coasts carrying out their mission little steps that each of us takes, it's just, it's humanity at its best. It's God's love at its best. Texas Baptist men will depart here tomorrow along with their mobile kitchen at 10 a.m. We're live in Dallas this morning. Nicole Jacobs, Karen, back into you. Oh, such selfless people. All right, Nicole, thank you very much. 
His people are ready to go even when the storm is there to feed, to cut trees, to put tarps on roofs, to, to share the love of Christ in word and deed. And did you know that you're part of that ministry? Did you know that you financially help to support that? Did you know that when you give here at Calvary, that, that it goes to feed people and to help people in crisis and disasters? Well, what a privilege it is because when God's people give, the gospel advances, the kingdom of God advances. That's what happened in the ministry of Jesus. He was able to go from village to village because there were some faithful women who out of their generosity supported his ministry. I am so thrilled today because we have one of our own families that we prayed for about three years ago and they went out to South Asia uh, to share the love of God, uh, Paul and Monica. And I'm gonna ask them to come join me here on stage. They, they are on stateside from South Asia uh, because of bereavement reasons, uh, but we are so thankful that they get to be with us. We had dinner with them last night and we had to, got to hang out with them and hear a little bit of, of what God is doing in their lives and how God is working through their ministry. And so I'd like for them to share this morning. Thank you. Hello, everybody. So uh, when we first landed, I got this great mask uh, as soon as we found it, found it in the store. And I'm going to wear it with pride in South Asia when I go back. <laughs> uh, but this is the new normal in India. So um, we actually, uh, in South Asia, sorry. So <laughs> when we are out sharing uh, or when we're traveling outside uh, in the cities, there are the COVID police and they hang out at all the intersections and they snap pictures of everybody that doesn't have a mask on and then they get in front of your car and they make you pay a fine. And that's the new normal in South Asia. And so when we go out and we're sharing with the lost, we have to share from our mask to their mask. And so it feels funny talking to their mask and then they feel funny because they're talking to our mask and it's in a different language. So it's very challenging, um, but this is the ministry, right? So we're really grateful because um, of your generosity. You guys, when you give to Calvary, it makes it possible for us to serve in South Asia through the cooperative program and your generosity. Also, we're so grateful because you guys gave us to the work in South Asia and we get to apply what the skills God has given us to the kingdom there. So we're really grateful for that. And thirdly, we are so grateful that you have given your prayers. Uh, the, the, the outbreak has been really bad in South Asia and there's almost no family who has not been impacted negatively by uh, the pandemic. Uh, joblessness is, is flagrant and there's lots of other suffering going on. And so God in his mercy enabled us to remain there throughout the pandemic and continue in ministry and language study. And we've been really blessed by that. Now in late April, I actually, uh, after a ministry trip, I, I got COVID myself and I was, I was quite sick. And there were two days there where I was very sick and I didn't know if God was going to take me home or if I still had work to do. Here I am. Mm. Your prayers and God's almighty, ever-present will let me know that I still have work to do. We mm. still have work to do. Mm. And so I praise God for your prayers that gave us hope, it gave us courage, it inspired us, and through your prayers and the work of the Holy Spirit, I'm healed, and we're, we're ready to go. We got our language, and we're just so excited to be serving God over there, and you guys are an active part of that, so thank you so much. 
Amen. Thank you guys so much. We love you guys and we are so thankful for your obedience. They can practice their go when we practice our give and when we continue to pray for them. We're so thankful for, for their testimony. When we give, God advances the gospel. The mission receives support. And when we give, God accepts the gift. Paul was a human instrument that received the gift from the Philippians, but, uh, but God accepted that gift as an act of worship. Look at verse 18 of Philippians 4 again. It says, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gift you sent. They are a fragrant, listen to this, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice pleasing to God. That's why when we give in church, we don't call it a donation. We call it an offering because it is an act of worship. We don't bring bulls and cows and lambs and goats. We bring our finances so that the gospel can advance, so that the name of Jesus can be made famous. And it is an act of worship. We offered it voluntarily. We offered from our heart. We worship God for who he is. When, when we give, we, we acknowledge who he is, but we also acknowledge what he's done for us. When we look back at the passage in Luke chapter 8, we see in verse 2 that it says, And also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. These women had experienced the power of God in their lives. They had been cured of their diseases. They had been delivered from demonic possession. They had been lifted up in their status in society. They had been restored their hope. They had been given their value. They had been given an identity. They knew love and acceptance and forgiveness. They knew the grace of God. How could they not want to give back to him who saved them? In this new series, The Chosen, that uh, some of us have been following on the app, uh, one of my favorite scenes is with Jesus is left by his disciples at the well, and he's talking to a woman, which was a no-no back then, but, but he's talking to this woman, and, and they go, and they're looking for food, the disciples, and then as they're coming back, the men and women that follow Jesus, Jesus is wrapping up his conversation with this woman at the well. I want to share that scene with you because it is a moving scene for me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. 
just the heart. You promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Wait! Your water! You forgot your um. Foxy, your man, you told me everything I ever did! <laughs> when you know Jesus like that, you can't help but tell everyone. You can't help but give your life back to him. You can't help but, but be generous back to the God who's been so generous with you. Do you know God like that? Do you know Jesus as your savior? Do you know him as your healer? As your deliverer? As the one who's giving you hope? As, as your redeemer? As your restorer? As your friend? As your Lord? But when you have received generously from the grace of God, then you're going to want to give back generously so that others would know that grace. When God's people give as an act of worship, God accepts that gift. God receives the worship. And also God adds to the giver. Our giving benefits God's work, as we've said already. It honors God in worship. But it also comes back to us to bless us. It's, it's what I call a three-way deal. People often talk about, you know, win-win situations. But, but this is a win-win-win situation. The gospel advances. God receives worship and, and the giver gets blessing. Notice the promise that Paul gives the Philippians in chapter 4 uh, of, of his letter to them. In verse 19, he says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. What a sweet promise. How many of you know that is true? How many of you know that God can meet all your needs? That he's faithful to take care of us? That, he's, that if he cares for the birds of the air and the grass of the field, how much more will he not care for you? Giving is an act of faith. It is a recognition that we've already received, that we've already been given. But it is also an act of faith that says, because he's given, I know that he's going to continue to give. I know he'll continue to provide. It's an act of faith because I believe in his faithfulness. Sometimes I, I'm, I'm really amazed when I talk to families, and I talk to families who, who don't seem to make a lot of money, but, but choose to be generous with God's work. And, and they seem to always have enough. They, they, they have food, they have celebrations, they have birthday parties, they, they, they travel. They get to do a lot of things. They're, they're full of joy. And I, and I scratch my head. I said, how do they make it with so little? And then I talk to people that make three, four times as much and are having trouble making ends meet and always complaining about how they don't have enough and, and how they can't give because they just don't make enough. And, and I think, how, how contradictory does that seem? But it makes sense when you understand how God operates, that, that when we give to him generously, he will take care of meeting our needs. Sometimes we wanna make sure we meet our needs before we can give to God. But God says, look, let me take care of you and you be faithful with what I ask of you. You know, one of the things that uh, really 
joins, uh, fills my heart with joy is, is to see uh, how my children sometimes are growing in this area. My youngest son recently got a job. He's finishing his last semester of college and, and he got a job at a hospital. And a few weeks ago, he got his first paycheck. And so uh, we've kind of been coaching him and counseling him about how to be a good manager of his money. And so when he got his first paycheck, we said, hey, what's your budget? What things are you going to take care of with, with this? And we started listing things. And I don't know if it's, this happens to you, but usually when there's income and expenses, the expenses far outweigh the income, right? It's like the brother that says, well, I got my paycheck, but I got too much month for my check, right? Uh, but we were making a list of those things. And, and he says to me, dad, the first thing I want to do before we talk about anything else is I want to give my tithe. And I said, that's good. He goes, so before we talk about anything else, let, let me do that right now. I said, okay. So we were texting back and forth and he got on his giving app and, and he gave his tithe and he said, okay, done. He goes, oh, that feels so good. It feels so good to give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And it is a statement that says God is able to meet all of our needs. Now, the Bible doesn't promise that we'll have everything we want. But it does promise that he, meet, he will meet all of our needs. You know, one of the most often quoted passages in the Bible is Philippians 4.13 that comes right before this passage. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and people quote it all the time. I mean, you even see it on TV and in sports and, and, and social media. And usually people are quoting it to claim victory, to, to claim, uh, you, you know, assurance in the midst of a challenge. And, and, and it's legitimate to use it that way. But when you look at the context of how Paul says it, what Paul is saying, sometimes I have abundance, sometimes I have very little. But I'm always okay because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What Paul is saying is God is able to meet my needs sometimes in abundance of material things and sometimes in abundance of the grace that I need when I have little. And that's the way that sometimes God works with us. That's why the psalmist can say in the same breath, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And then he can say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Because he understands that when God is your shepherd, when Jesus is your king, that sometimes he'll choose to give you in abundance. Sometimes your cup is going to overflow. And then sometimes you're going to have little, but what is going to overflow is the grace of God to help you. But he will always meet your needs. And my God will meet all, all, all all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Not just financial, but spiritual and emotional and, and every area of your life. It's a promise. You can claim it today. You can claim it every day. It's a promise for those here who have been faithful in giving. You know, I, I hear sometimes people when, when they pray, you, you know, we, we used to have this offertory prayer in churches and I, and I would often hear people pray, God bless the giver and bless the one that cannot give. And I always thought that was interesting. I mean, you can pray for the one that cannot give if you want, but I think all of us can give. We may not be able to give the same thing, but Jesus showed that widow that had two coins and she gave out of what she had. The promise here is for the one that gives. This is a blessing. And, and we can claim it, that he meets all of our needs. When God's people give to God's work, 
God adds blessing to the giver. The giver receives provision. This gospel movement that Jesus started so long ago was supported by the recipients of the gospel. Not by the temple treasury, not by the Roman government, not by miraculous stones turned into bread, but by disciples who received from the gospel. Recipients of God's grace who gave out of that grace so that others would know the grace. When God's people give generously to ministry, God advances the gospel, God accepts the gift, and God adds to the giver. The mission receives support, God receives worship, and the giver receives provision. I don't know if I told you, but I have a grandson. His name is Daniel. He's almost 15 months this week. And he's learning a lot of things. One of the things that he's learned recently is to help mom take the grocery bags into the kitchen. So he carries the bag and, and he puts it on the floor. And then he wants to help put the food wherever it goes. And so uh, my daughter has taught her taught him how to put the fruit in the fruit tray and how to put the little yogurt and, and he likes doing that. But, but the, the thing is now he knows where everything is, right? And so, so now he can go to the refrigerator and help himself. And so the other day he went and took the fruit tray out of the refrigerator and he, and he helped himself to some fruit. I think he's holding fruit in both hands because one of the things about Daniel is he, he understands provision. He understands abundance. And it reminds me of the fact that in God's family, there's always provision. In God's family, there's always abundance. That when we all bring our contribution to the potluck dinner, everyone will have enough. And there might be some leftovers, some baon. And so I invite you to be a part of that. I don't know how God has spoken to you today, but but maybe you're one of those that has been faithfully giving, generously giving to support the ministry at Calvary. And today we want to say thank you. May God continue to bless you and provide for you. May God multiply what you have given and what you are managing as your income. But maybe you're here and you say, I've never really had this regular giving commitment. And maybe today I need to start. Download the app or set it up for an automatic withdrawal, or just make sure that I include it in my budget as the first thing, my first fruits. I want to give so that the gospel can advance, so that God can be honored, and so that I can experience the blessing of grace giving. Would you stand with me as we pray? Father, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for what you're doing for your ministry, for the ministry of Paul, for the ministry of Calvary, and how you choose to support that through your people. So thank you for those that have been faithful, God. Bless them. And for those that today are making a commitment to start giving on a regular basis, to put you first in their budget, would you affirm that? Would you help them take those steps that are necessary so that they can experience the grace of giving, the joy of giving, and if there's someone else here that needs to make a commitment to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time, to follow you in believer's baptism, to join a go group, to share the gospel with a friend, whatever the commitment needs to be, would you speak to our hearts 
Would you affirm? Would you guide? Would you seal? Allow your spirit to work in us. Do it again, Lord. Do it in us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we sing, you respond. Respond to God's word. Respond in a commitment that he's asking you to make. And then prepare your heart for communion today. Prepare your heart to celebrate the Lord's Supper.